Jesus TV. Jesus in this today, another episode. We're going to uh, listen to a poem by Jesus and Jonathan McCormick. Jonathan. All right. So if you're talking about the one, you're talking about the one that came today, right? Yes. Okay. So this is called. Um, Disappearing. There is an ancient magic long forgotten, but we dream of it with tales of hobbit holes and villages that hang from rainforest canopies and enchanted castles that only appear at a certain time of year and only to the pure in heart. It is the magic, magic of being there and yet being it is it is the magic of being there and yet blending in so well with the nature of things as to be invisible but long ago we lost the art it fell into the sacred guarded chasm that lies between here and the heavenly realm and this magic is returning but this magic is returning to the earth it is claiming all forsaken fly upon the wings of unheard voices that speak out of the sacred place. But the gift of invisibility is only for the pure in heart, and the sacred opens now and for a time, a thousand years perhaps, and eventually it will close back up. Will you claim the sacred gift while it is open? <clears throat> Any thoughts? All right. Yeah, I, I, I read that this morning and I was able to capture um, capture my mind, a lot of its meaning, I think, to me, um, or some of it. And I thought, I need to ask Jonathan about this poem. So can you go through the words and, and yeah. give us some thought? Yeah, so... Um... Okay, so it's strange. You know, last week I talked about how I had this vivid, lucid dream. One of the things about the dream, there were three aspects that were really enchanting to me just um, in the dream. So one of them was that I could fly. So that's something that people have dreamed about forever, okay? it's it's an It's an ability of motion which is beyond our capacity in this world. We can't fly. Another thing was that I was up high in the rafters of this cabin and people were walking along the um, um, the mezzanine and along the, the area below. And I was, I was up high so they couldn't see me. I was able to see them and they couldn't see me. And, um, and then the, uh, the third thing was I was able to go through walls. So those are all things from from fantasy stories, right? It's like we dream about these things because they're they're interesting to us, they're enchanting to us. Same thing like hobbit holes, um, rainforest. You know, you see these villages that are built on um, 
you know, uh, kind of suspended from the rainforest. And and you can hardly notice they're there until you get up close. And it's like, oh, my goodness, there's people living up in these trees. And, um, and then there's stories about castles that only appear or towers that only appear to the pure in heart. And you can only see it at a certain time. It's like, okay, so why is this so important? It's it's a trope that travels through all sorts of stories. Um, and I think that it's it's um, part of the reason it's, it's important is that it's an important part of our protection. So the ability to be in a place and not be seen is really important. Like, how would it be to be a Jew in Nazi Germany in 19... Um, 36, I don't know when it was that things were getting scary, probably around then. Um, 41, I think, yeah. What would it be like to be able to be there and yet not be seen, you know, to just blend in, you know, and it's like, and on the day they come to pick up Jews, you know, they just don't happen to notice you because you're just invisible, <laughs> you know, but maybe you're not really invisible. Maybe you can just be there and it's like and you're not showing any red flags you know it's like maybe that for that day you know jews tend to have um prominent noses and and your nose doesn't look quite so prominent that day <laughs> you know or the paperwork gets mixed up or something you know it's like so it's it's this fascinating place of of invisibility is um is something we've toyed with for years. Like, what would it be like to be able to be invisible? Well, what I what I found is that there are keys to being invisible. One of the keys is to keep moving. It's like, um, it, you know, this may sound kind of silly to talk about, it, but I found it because I, I move all the time. It's like, and I found that it kind of like drops you off the radar or at least a certain number of radars. Another thing is to be a little bit on the outskirts. It's like you're not really wanting all the things that other people want. It's like people who say, well, I've got to have a piece of, the, you know, I've got to have a, um, I've got to have a piece of the rock, which means I've got to own a piece of real estate. It's like, well, that puts you more on the map. Well, I've got to have this and I've got to have that. I've got to have all the things that Babylon wants. What's interesting is it's like, now, now, of course, we live in the age when it's like, I know that it's like the powers that be, you know, it's like they've got a big facility up there in Lehigh, Utah, where they're, you know, keeping track of the world and all of the social media and everything else. And, and you know, they're, they're not making any qualms about it. They're like, yeah, this is what we're doing. We want to keep track of everything that everybody says every minute of every day. I know they know I've got a Facebook profile. I've got all these things. And yet it's like, um, so what is the sacred place? So, so, so like it says that in Enoch's time, Zion was up unto God. And I really wonder if it's like, it was describing something that happens. It's like, there's a certain way of living that kind of drops you off the map. It, it enters you into the sacred place. And you've talked about like your Jesus Greg world. It's like, it's a place that you can exist. And I think it's always existed because like you can see it in concentration camps. There were certain people who just acted 
like they weren't in a concentration camp. Read the story of Corey Ten Boom. It was like she was living in another realm because, and it opens, this other realm only opens up to the pure in heart. It's like, it's, it's like you're in this world, but you're not in this world. And, um, and the other thing that's fascinating about this place is that it's like, you don't die until God says you die. It's like, you know, you know, Christ said to his disciples, you're going to go out in the world and you know, like if a, if a, if a viper bites you, if a snake bites you, it'll have no, you know, it won't be able to harm you. The funny thing was they were all going to die ruinous deaths upon crosses and, you know, like, um, burned at the stake, all these horrible deaths. And yet until it was their time, they would fall into a sacred chasm. And it's like, and we kind of get this idea that there are some people who have fallen into this sacred chasm that like it lies between the sacred place and between this world and it's like they're around you know they could hop in a truck and drive down the road but you can't see them okay and it's like and it's like and until it's their time and you know some of them it's almost like it'll never be their time it's like we talk all this you know in our framework it's like people have been translated it's like it's they are they fall into the sacred chasm and this sacred chasm has rules upon which it and and an order by which it it exists um greg keeps saying you know well until i'm 81 years old or whatever and it's like right he has an idea a, a world that he's creating somehow this number has come out you know i think it's long now it could be he could be wrong right but I think that he'll probably live longer by believing that he's in a sacred chasm that, where he will be protected until his time. Um, and some people fall into that chasm and they just, they're eventually they're twinkled or whatever. But the point being is that it's, it's um, that's what I was describing in this. Um, and I'll turn it back over to you. So um, does this, um, because what you express is a belief. Um, how, how does this belief uh, make you feel? Um, how um, how does it sustain you or whatever? Okay, so um, it makes me feel really good um, and kind of like um, invincible. Like I don't go jump out in front of buses. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I'm not the kind of person that it's like I'm not foolhardy. I'm not insane. If I am insane, I'm not insane in that way. <laughs> right. But but, um, but I do feel like I've noticed that people around me often feel afraid of things, like all the time. And I remember, and it reminds me, because there was a time in my life when I was afraid of those same things. Like, oh, I got to go to the doctor because, you know, the germs might get me. It's like, it's it's, I don't even think that way anymore. It's like, it's like, and I think part of it is that I've lived for so long, not being able to afford the things that people, you know, um, that people worry about that. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I just don't worry about it. And it's like, I really, I, so, so people do this, like, you know, there's guys who like earn a lot of money this way. It's like, they believe in something that is impossible until it comes about and actually happens. And, um, so, so that's what's important to me 
what's important to me is living long enough to fulfill my mission. You know, and I don't care whether I'm twinkled or I, I, uh, you know, I just die a normal death. That's fine. But it also, it allows me to be able to do the things I feel called to do. You know, it's like I've felt impressed at times to drive to South Dakota just when winter was setting in and I didn't have a place to live. That's just doesn't make any sense. But I had a divine appointment. I was supposed to be there for a period of time. And so I just drove, you know, and, and, um, and you know, that was early in the game. I was very fearfully doing so. Um, and I've made mistakes where I, I haven't obeyed that spirit. That is it allows me to do things that um, I wouldn't normally do um, for fear um, because I just trust. I believe that there is a sacred guarded place for me in the world. So, go, sorry, describes it. Right, right. Um, yeah, so your poem is a form of self-reinforcement, and, and that's, um, that's how we able, are able to um, act and create a reality in our lives that we can interact in um, so we don't over-respond to our fears and so forth. So a lot of what Jesus has been doing with me since I was born again in 2015, is um, giving me sets of beliefs that will comfort me. Um, Jesus talked about, I will send you a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. But he also talks about the second comforter, which I believe is Jesus. I mean, there's different um, thoughts about that. But... Um, the, uh, that relationship with Jesus and what he promises. He doesn't promise an easy life, but he promises to comfort. Um, in fact, as I've gone further in my relationship with Jesus, I've become convinced that learning to suffer long is one of the predominant um, situations as you follow Christ um, it's the first definition of charity. Charity suffereth long. It's the first expression of charity. Um, and, um, and charity never faileth. Um, and so that is something to pursue. And um, it but puts you in a quandary, puts you out on a limb, makes you vulnerable. And so... There's a compensating um, thing that you need when you um, uh, no longer have hope in the world. And so your hope becomes hope in his word, in the word of God. Uh, and that's expressed in many ways. You, um, When I opened up this episode, I said, uh, this poem that Jesus and Jonathan wrote, and that's just my own self-reinforcement. Very few people would say that. <laughs> They'd just say, Jonathan has written a poem. Well, then that's fine, because they don't need to reinforce, but I do, for probably the limbs that I'm out on. It's like, Jesus is here. Jesus Jesus is there. Um, and I'm supposed to acknowledge him in all things, and then he'll direct my paths. And so 
I've taken it quite literally. Anyone who knows me, like, whoa, he's always asserting Jesus is here. He's he's got a TV station, Jesus TV. Can't you just call it TV? Why does it have to be Jesus TV? Oh, that's just a personal thing. I need to self-reinforce because um, the ways that God has um, me travel are scary to me. Like, well, that's scary because they would be scary <laughs> to anyone. Uh, normal people would be like, Greg, if, if they saw how I was living my life, it would scare them. Uh, I, in fact, I remember when God prompted me to leave graduate school at Texas A&M, and I, I, I loved that God, Jesus, had um, this fellow that I worked with who was also a graduate student. He was in psychology, and he knew what I was doing, that I was leaving because I was prompted by God to go out west before I was done with my Ph.D., and um, he saw what I was doing, and he saw what it really was, is that um, I, I believed something, and I'm, I was willing to risk, um, yeah, um, my Ph.D. for um, the Word of God. Well, the Word of God came unto me and told me to do this, and it did. Um, and he said, I wish I could do that. He was expressing, um, he said, because um, there's times when um, the risks are too great. They would be for me, too. Like, no, I can't do that, God. You'd have to send me um, uh, an angel. You'd have to. Um, and so he knows that. God knows that. And so he will. If he has to have you do something, he'll, he'll, he'll create the situation where it's just barely enough that you go, okay, I'll do it. Um, at least he does with me. Um, and uh, I think he does it with everybody. He just has to up the ante enough till they're like, okay, I surrender. So that's my belief is that, oh, Jesus is coming for you, all you lost sheep. You can't hide from Jesus. There is no retreat. Try to run fool away from him. Jesus took the punishment for all your sins. You think he's going to let you go? Oh, my goodness. No. He's coming after you. And does he have to get cross and nasty by allowing uh, natural um, uh, calamities to befall upon you? I didn't say make them happen. I just said allowing them to happen. <laughs> this world's so risky. All he has to do is like, I'm going to allow that to happen. And like, oh, isn't that like him doing it? No, no, that'd be like if he if he purposely grabbed that um you know, beer and shoved it down your throat. That's that's him. But allowing you to drink, even knowing that you're an alcoholic and that that one drink, because you're the one person who, once you get that one drink in you, there's nowhere else but rock bottom. Jesus allowed me to do that. Oh, yeah. He lets everybody do apparently whatever they want. But some, he hedges the way. Like, I don't I don't want you to doing that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it taste nasty to you. Because um, I got other plans for you. Oh, don't tell me what those are. So that's the scary Jesus. And <laughs> scary Jesus, that's funny, Greg. Yeah, it kind of is the scary Jesus. I, um, but Jesus, um, that's part of the thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to learn to trust him. He, he wouldn't have to say those words, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Oh, you didn't need to mention that. That's like breathing. Greg, breathe. Um, <laughs> well, Jesus will go far, uh, that far. He'll say, breathe. Uh, he'll 
maybe have others do it. Some some influencer on on a, on a YouTube. Oh, you know, follow the breath. That's a good meditation and breathing exercises. Well, that's Jesus. If it leads to something good, maybe you need that to chill out. Um, but back to Jonathan's poem, um, I was intrigued by it, uh, and um, and I think I've got to read it some more today. Um, uh, but that's what I'm, I guess, right now intrigued by, is the reinforcements, because um, this is what Jesus taught me in building a Jesus Greg world. In building a Jesus world, you will create what are called reinforcements. You'll fortify yourself in the love of Jesus. You'll you'll literally um, start gathering words, and the words help protect you from your unbelief. They they counterbalance it. You know you don't get to get rid of your unbelief, your doubts, and so forth. But you can minimize those by having really strong beliefs. So I strongly believed that I needed to move out of Texas. And that, that was enough, just enough to like, go, okay, go to Utah. And I did. And it was the right path. Uh, it was uncomfortable um, leaving early. So logistics. And uh, I remember my boss going, oh, this was not my plan for you. <laughs> yeah, well, it was Jesus's plan because he was he was trying to help me be a really powerful um PhD, get a good job. That's what I wanted too, my carnal self. But Jesus, Jesus knew what to do. Um, but he has to um, work um, with us. So we create what's called self reinforcements. This is actually a psychology kind of term as well. As humans, we have the ability to reinforce, to tell ourselves stories. Um, I'm in a concentration camp. Uh, I'm not going to tell myself that story, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to tell myself because maybe I'm in the kingdom of God, which, well, that's also true. <laughs> if you study the doctrine, well, that's also true. So you're emphasizing something. You're self-reinforcing it, maybe for a desired purpose. And that's... Um, Anyhow, that's I, I I like how what you described, Jonathan, um, in response to my question, and that's my elaboration on it. That this um, oh back to the word because that's what, this is what Jesus has been emphasizing to me because I I know it every time somebody says the word of God, the word of God, it's, that's what it's all about, <laughs> and I watch these people geeking out on the scriptures like man, that, yeah, they're they're getting more Jesus and. Uh, the scriptures for me are kind of like a reference manual. Um, like, well, where do you get your word of God? From Jesus, from himself, from, from songs, from Jesus in this mess. Um, we talk of Christ, preach of Christ. And some people are like, uh, I'm going to need a crutch. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's why we have the scriptures. Geek out on these. And that'll work. Because, like, if you geek out on a book like Star Wars, or Harry Potter, it's going to start affecting your thoughts, how, what you think about. And so uh, be careful whatever words you start focusing on, um, because that will um, eventually, your unconscious, which is a blessing from God, it'll start creating that reality. Like, oh, this is what he wants to dream? <laughs> and that's what's happened to me. Um, and this week he helped me uh, become aware of that, that the word of God... Um, that is God's word to you. So uh, Jonathan received a word from God, like go out to South Dakota. 
Uh, but it's it's a uh, winter. Yep, go out to South Dakota. Okay. And so that's called obedience. It's basically heeding the word. It's not just like hearing the word. Big deal, you heard, heard the words because the, the scriptures are a nothing burger. Unless you heed them and like do what they say, then you just it, they're worthless. Um, truth is worthless unless you align yourself with it. Um, and part of that alignment is uh, self-reinforcing. Um, and that's so when I wake up in the morning, I'm in a usually a rigorous uh, training. Um, if people can know what's going on in my mind and they knew morning after morning, like, what is going on here, Greg? And I would just tell them, ask Jesus, because he knows. Um, wax, wax car, sand fence, um, wax on, wax off. He's he's training my mind, and now I'm starting to get the fruits of that training because I'm like, wow, this has been going on for a long time. Now he's like, now do you see the fruits? And that's because I've been in his word. And if and if people looked at what I'm calling his word, um, religious people, they're like, oh, well, yeah, but because um, they're, they're glued to the scriptures. And hallelujah, that's not a bad thing to be glued to. I'm not. I'm glued to Jesus and his voice inside of me. He is the word. And John said that. Um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So ultimately, he is the word. He's the living word. So I love his scriptures, <laughs> and sometimes I'd like to geek out on them, but this is what he has me do, and I don't um, say everybody's got to do it this way. No, and I've been trained against that. Like, no, one size fits one. And that's really hard for other sheep. And I get it. It's kind of hard for me. Like, whoa, I'm the only one doing this, Jesus. <laughs> like, yep. And they're the only ones because everybody's got a unique life. But that's not emphasized. Not when you're trying to emphasize tribal affiliation. You try to find commonalities and emphasize, though, everybody should do it this way. Oh, yeah, you're right. We all need the Pythagorean theorem. Not. 10% of us, perhaps. But, yeah, we, we set our structures up to reinforce those things that are of a global nature, the devil laughs because he likes it when we're just establishing global features um, that are maybe like the law of Moses. Let's all follow the law of Moses. These global features end up ruining the personal relationship. Uh, it's like having a, a marriage relationship. Well, I'm going to just treat you like most husbands. Yeah, there you go. Um, most husbands, or uh, rather than as an individual, unique. All right, so I'm going to bring this home to self-reinforcement. Jonathan's poem is a, I see it this morning anyways. Uh, it's beautiful, um, and it's interesting, mysterious. But I also see it as him, uh, Jesus having him, Jesus using that poem to self-reinforce and give Jonathan courage to do an exp and explanation, courage yeah, through explanation of um, following God's word. Any thoughts, Jonathan? Yeah, um, I see we're kind of getting close to time. So I'll mm -hmm. make this my my closing statements unless we decide to go longer. You, I know you have church here in a little bit, but um, so a uh, couple thoughts. Um, what I think, well, I've, I've written down a couple things. Um, one thing, but one thing before I get to those things is that what kind of blows me away is that this is real. 
like people have fantasized about this for ages. You know, the, that's what the poem is pointing towards, is that mythical realm. Right, and, right. And it's like what you end up discovering is this is real. This is a reality. It's like, but it doesn't come accidentally. Okay. It's, it's, it's not like you're just, you're not just going to fall into this realm that we're talking about. You know, you're not by accident. You know, they, there's, um, I guess you, maybe I shouldn't say never, who knows, but, but, you know, if you were to tell like a guy who's made a billion dollars, well, yeah, that just happens accidentally. He would look at you and say, you're crazy. It doesn't happen accidentally. You know, you have to think about it. You have to set forth your intent. You have to imagine it. You have to, you know, create in your mind and then go about, you know, setting all the things in play that will bring about that billion dollar net worth. It doesn't happen accidentally. There are principles by which this this strange and mythical protection and world where you blend in and you're visible to the, the the powers that would cause you harm happen um so that's the first thing the second thing is that um i kind of like that it like it implies that god is sheltering us like you're talking about the nasty jesus <laughs> um and it's like of course jesus isn't nasty but he is more like a parent you know it's like um time to grow up and move out of the house you know it's like um it's like you know i, I think what well, it's a comfort to me to realize that it's like like you're talking about how i'm going to god says i'm going to allow greg to fall into this trap you know well that implies that all the while he's been protecting greg from that trap right like a parent would a child like you know you know you don't you know, you don't take your children down and leave them for the day at the brothel, you know, don't um, take your child out and, you know, um, and uh, I don't know, set them in the middle of State Street um, during rush hour traffic, you know, or I shouldn't say set them there, but you don't allow them to wander out. You set up boundaries, you set up things to protect them. And so then there comes this point where, you know, if, if there are times when God allows things, that implies that all the while before that, he was being a good parent and sheltering. And the only reason he's allowing us to be exposed to um, turmoil um, and natural consequences is because he knows it's good for us. Um, and then I, so I wanted to give one last example of this that I, I find kind of interesting so I have had a thing for a long, long time, probably a few decades, where I've kind of had this feeling like I need to live long enough to fulfill my mission, and that it might be longer than people normally live. Um, and I don't know what that means. I just know that I've, I've felt that for a long time. And, um, and of course, you know, I've had this thing where it's like I've had these health problems, um, and of course, you know, living to be, you know, some moderate age might be a real achievement um, based on some of the health problems that I've had. Um, 
And so maybe that's why I've had this impression is that God knew that I I had a frail body in some ways and that just living to a normal age would be a real feat for me. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know why. But here's what I find interesting. And, and I'm really glomming on to this is it's like there's this idea it is the, well here's the reason <clears throat> i'm 48 years old i think i think it really hit me when i turned 47 cuz 47 seemed quite a bit closer to 50 than 46 did <laughs> and um and when i turned 47 I um I thought to myself, wow, I'm 47. That's actually fairly close to 50. And I I um it got really real. And so so I, I started, okay, so first of all, I should backtrack a little bit. Years ago, I started thanking God for extending my life. I started imagining my life extending longer than it should. Like I started, like I started to do a work in my mind. Like I started, like the health problems that I had, I started imagining them getting better. I started like imagining, like working in my imagination upon my body and imagining it being youthful, imagining myself getting away, further away from death. Like I started doing this years ago. Now, here's what's interesting. Now I'm 48, I'll be 49 um, in July of next year. And um, what blows me away is that when I look in the mirror, most of the time, especially if I shave, um, I don't look 48. Like I look younger and Everywhere I go, like when people actually find out my age, they are like greatly surprised. They're like, you're 48, you know, and I've come across, across people. I came across a man recently who looked at least 65, if not 70. And he told me he was 49, a year older than me. He was born in 1974. And a while back, I knew another guy who was um 49 when I was 47, I think. And he looked like he was late fifties. And so like, I, like what kind of blows me away is that even though I have these health problems, it appears that all of my work of believing that I would live longer and that I would stay young has actually worked. Now, now, think about this. It's like, is it possible that part of aging is our belief that we're going to die within a certain span of between 70 and 85, you know, or 65 and 85? I, I don't know. But it's like, I've wondered, it's like, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, it's like, and, and assuming that it's all historically correct and everything, it's like, you know, the, the long ages of the patriarchs in the early part of the Bible. And then, you know, it says even Abraham lived to be 175. 
And nowadays we live in an age where the some of the greatest minds are putting them sell their their minds around um how do we extend the human life, you know, anti-aging techniques and stuff. And it's like, what I wonder is if the principal theme in all of this is belief. It's like, is it possible to fall into, not fall into, but to enter into the sacred chasm that lies between heaven and earth where our lives are preserved. It's like, I'm starting to believe it because of this aging thing. Now, everything around me tells me that I, I should think that I'm older than I should. You know, when my heart starts going crazy, it's like, oh, you know, it says, it says to me, you don't have long to live. But I choose to believe something else. That's all. So I'm I'm going to pass it back. Those were my thoughts. Um, so. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Jonathan, and thanks for your poem. You're in Jesus's poem, and uh, this is it for um, Jesus in this mess. And we look forward to uh, next week. And we don't know what that'll hold for us. We kind of go forward not knowing beforehand the things which we should.